Jeremiah made a, a song, a, a prayer, and he said this, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Isn't that amazing? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And beloved, with all of my heart this morning, I would pray that you would be able to hope in the Lord. Um, I just come to you this morning in, in God's mercy to your life. And I, I pray that you will take hold of the Lord and the goodness of God towards you. Um, it's been a wonderful day already, just the celebration and the, the just being festive before God because of freedom from our sins and the resurrection of Jesus. It's so wonderful. But I want you to take hold of something. I don't want you to leave because you had a song that lifted you. I want the word of God to lift you today. And I want you to be anchored in the hope that we have that is in Jesus Christ. I've shared this definition with you, a definition of mercy with the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. That's mercy. I don't have a right to expect anything from God. But God gives me everything. And I don't understand that. And, and I, I think that God's demeanor to me because of that is supposed to affect the way that I live. I think it's supposed to affect my heart. I think it's supposed to affect the way that I approach him. And certainly show me something about God that other religions do not show me about the gods that they worship. David said this, for great is your mercy toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Now, that's a beautiful thing because the Holy Spirit has inspired this psalm. And the Holy, now listen to me, the Holy Spirit says in regards to David, that because of my mercy, I have delivered your soul from the lowest hell. I don't care how low you are this morning. God has already delivered people from there. You are not too low for God. You're not too far gone for the Lord to reach. God even said in Isaiah that is my arm shortened that it cannot reach you? Have I no power to save? And so God is very jealous with the aspect that we know who he is. And one of the things that God wants us to know is that his people need comfort. And his people need comfort in direct relationship to their sin. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. I want to talk to you about your sin. I'm not going to necessarily name your sin. <clears throat> I don't need to do that. You already are aware of it. <clears throat> but I want to talk to you about God's comfort in the face of your sin and dealing with your sin. God's people in the book of Isaiah are in trouble. They're in trouble because they have sinned. They're not in trouble because they're trying to obey God and they're hated by the world because they're so godly and holy. <clears throat> but Israel has forsaken God and turned to other gods. And they have become very evil and wicked in the things that they were doing. And they were mean. They were cruel to one another. Horrible to one another. Mistreated each other and abused each other. Walked right past people that were openly suffering in their sight with no compassion whatsoever. Not Nothing like we would do, passing up homeless on the street corner and turning our heads as if they don't exist. 
I mean, thank God we're not like Israel, right? We notice every need and we care about every problem. We're not much different than them. We have our sins. We have our problems. We can be very mean. We can be very ruthless. And our sins cause us such shame, such embarrassment. And you know how it is. Every one of you knows how it is, especially if you're fresh off of a sin. Meaning, maybe you fell in sin yesterday. Maybe you fell in sin last night. And so you begin to fight this battle with yourself and with Satan and with other influences in your life. And it's like, I don't even need to go to church. I don't even need to go there. You know what? Those people would be a lot better off without me. I just don't need to do that. And that's what God's people were facing in Israel. Is that they were beginning to withdraw from the Lord. And God said, you draw near to me with your mouths. But your hearts are far from me. And they were concerned to do their religious duty. But they had fallen in such sin. It's kind of like walking into a room this morning. And maybe if you're fresh off of a sin. And you walk into the room. And and you have this idea that everybody can see through you. That everybody recognizes you're, you're this dirty person. You're this person that's broken. You're this person that's ruined. You're this person that has shame in your life. And maybe if nobody even notices that, it's the fact that you know it. It's the fact that you know what you've done. You know where you've been. You know what you've watched. You know what you've said. You know how you've treated other people. And you feel absolutely disgusted with yourself because of where you've been, what you've done, what you've said. What you've seen, how you behaved, how you've acted. And it's right here in the midst of this that God says, comfort my people. Comfort my people and let my people know that your iniquity is pardoned and your warfare is over. That's what God wanted his people to know. That was the comfort that he was sending them. The comfort that God was not was sending his people is not this comfort that, look, I'm going to give you this way to climb yourself out of the pits that you've fallen in. I'm going to give you this 12-step program, and if you follow it, then you will overcome all of your urges and sins and lust. You'll never get angry again. You won't drink it again. You won't, you won't watch porn anymore. All of this will be over with your life. Do these 12 steps, and that wouldn't comfort us. Because doing those 12 steps only causes you to fall into another pit. And that's what the gods want. Not this God, but the gods, the demons, the devil, and all of his minions. That's what they want. They want to trap you in pits of despair. They want to trap you in these places where there is no escape. There's no way out. You cannot have any freedom. You suffer condemnation. You suffer self-pity. You begin to think that nobody loves you. Nobody likes you. You're not connected. You have no commitment. People don't even know your name. They could care less if you're there or if you're not there. And we go into these seasons of such depression because of our sins And because of the self-pity that we have in our... I can't tell you the numbers of times I have desired maybe just to look at another church and maybe take a church offer just to go somewhere else for a fresh start. Well, maybe I'll be a success there. The temptations that we begin to have in these seasons of life when we're being overwhelmed with our depression and our self-pity and the devils just come in there and they want to feed upon us, but they're only creating greater traps for our life. These false gods do not give us any hope. 
The false gods that speak to our heads and stir up our emotions and tell us that we're so unworthy, we're so unholy, we're so shameful. We should be embarrassed to go to church. And God says to comfort my people. I want you to be careful about the seasons of your life. Be very careful about seasons of your life, which I'm probably going to talk about more Wednesday night. But be careful about the seasons of your life. When you come into turbulent seasons of life and your emotions are scattered like, like, like grain thrown up into the wind and it's just blown everywhere and you're not stable and you're not sure the devils would direct you with your emotions and you find yourself in worse places than when you began. Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage and wait upon God until the season is over and God is leading you with his peace and we're not being led because of our trouble. And we're not being influenced because of our sin. Let God comfort you and let God strengthen you in the times of your life. So Isaiah 40 verse 1 says this, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Chapter 49 of Isaiah, and I just want you to see the bookends of this. In chapter 49, verse 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. That's what you feel like when you've sinned or you've failed and you didn't measure up. My Lord has forgotten me. Maybe some of you are in that state right now. God is done with me. How could I expect anything good from God? And remember mercy. It's when you don't have a right to expect anything that you get everything. And God responds in verse 15. Can a woman forget her sucking child? That She should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Yes, they may forget. Yet will I not forget you. Behold, I have graven you upon the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. And then chapter 51, verse 9. Awake. Awake. Stir yourself. Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake. As in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Are you not it that had cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Art thou not it which has dried the sea? The waters of the great deep that hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransom to pass over. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. And they shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I, even I, am he that comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man that shall die? And the son of a man which shall be made as grass. And God is beckoning the people to not forget him. And I want to give you this overview. Please just stay with me. There are these bookends, if you will, 
Beginning in Isaiah 40, verse 1, where God calls for the prophet to comfort his people. And the prophet begins to speak in behalf of the Lord. And then there's the closing bookend around chapter 51, where God states, I have done it. I have comforted my people. And in between these two bookends, you begin to see as God expresses his state of being, how his people are going to be comforted. We're going to see this. But God expresses the way that he's going to comfort his people by making all of these I wills of God. I will, I will, I will redeem, I will save, I will get you, I will give, I will help, I will be with you, I will not forsake. All of these I wills of God are between chapter 40 and chapter 51, where God is basically saying to his people who are in it, and, and listen to me, guys, these are his people. These are not pagan people. And, and that's what I mean by you this morning. This is for you, God's people, who understand in, in the prophecies of your heart and the prophecies of your life, the things that you're very shameful of. And you are battling the condemnation of the devil and you are battling self-condemnation. And the devil is trying to convince you to pull away from God and to withdraw from the Lord a little bit and to withdraw from the church because nobody loves you and nobody cares about you and nobody is concerned about you. And these are the onslaughts of the devil against your life. And God comes rushing in and God says, I want to comfort you. And the way that I'm going to comfort you is I am going to undertake for you because you can do nothing for yourself. So I will do everything for you. I will. God begins to say, I'm even going to blot out your sins. Why am I going to do that? For my own name's sake, I'm going to do it. Because I formed you. I created you. I fashioned you. You're mine. That's why I'm going to do it. And so God wants his people to be comforted because God is letting his people know, I'm coming to do this for you. God is actually saying, your God is coming. Behold your God. That's between these two bookends. Behold your God who is coming to you. Don't be afraid. Because we would probably tend to think, especially if we were in sin and condemnation and self-pity and all of the reasons why I shouldn't expect anything good of God, that if my, my word of God is coming, I should be terrified. But yet God is saying, no, don't be afraid that I'm coming because I'm coming to help you. I'm not coming to destroy you. As a matter of fact, sandwiched between these two bookends is this statement where it says that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not put out. And what that means is, is God is coming to a bruised people. God is coming to a people who have been hit. And, you know, we live in South Louisiana, so we understand bruised reeds. And so you go out and they're out in the marshes and you've got these reeds that stand up tall and others that are broken and some that are bruised and they're about to break and they're about to just break over. The slightest bit of a breeze could break that bruised reed. God says, I won't do it. And can we trust him? Can we trust God to not do that? And I say, of course we can. Look at the woman that was called in adultery. You talk about a bruised reed. You talk about a bunch of men waiting to devour that woman and, and provide the stones and the rocks to see her die. But Jesus Christ intervenes. And instead of this woman becoming so bruised, he redeemed her. He forgave her. He saved her. Look at the woman at the well that Jesus went into Samaria to meet. You talk about a bruised reed. You talk about a smoking flax, which is just the slightest little bit of an ember of a flame that's about to go out. It's already smoking. The smoke is greater than the flame is. 
And the slightest thing will put that flame out. But God said in Isaiah, when I come, I'm not going to break the bruised reed. And I'm not going to put out the smoking flax. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to let you live and not die. And he did that to the woman at the well in Samaria. She had been married five times. He could have put her out. But he didn't put her out. He redeemed her. He pulled her in instead of pushing her away. Satan's pushing you away. Your God is not pushing you away. Your God is not done with you because of your failures. Your God is not done with you because of your sins. Your God is not done with you because you are so aware of how unlovely you are or how dirty you are or how nobody loves you. Your God loves you. That's what he wants you to know. I'm coming to you. And I will not put you out and I will not break you. I know how close you are to your breaking point. I know that you cannot bear much more. And I'm not going to come put much more on you. I'm going to undertake it all myself. And God begins to make these declarations for his people. You can see God doing that with Elijah when he wanted to die. A smoking flax. His faith is almost out. Instead of God putting that out in Elijah, he encourages him. And brings him strength. And Peter, when he had forsaken God, restored to the Lord because a bruised reed he will not put out. Or John Mark, who becomes so profitable in ministry when Paul the Apostle didn't want anything to do with him. God did. I'm not done with John Mark, Paul. You might be, but I'm not. And God fanned the flame of that smoking flax until John Mark became an intense light for Jesus Christ in the earth. Thank the Lord. What a blessed religion that there's a God who has compassion on the weak and a Savior who comes to save the fallen and the sinners. Praise God. I've taken this, I've shared this many years ago to the church, but I've taken this out of Isaiah 41 through 44. You won't be able to keep up with me. But if you just listen to this, these are the declarations of God. This is the God that's coming. This is who he is. This is what he is. So I've just taken these excerpts and I've put them to paper. And God says that I am God because I do great wonders. By wisdom I create. I made the heavens and the earth and I made light. I measure the waters of the earth in the hollow of my hand. I measure the heavens with the span of my hand. I know the dust of the earth and I hold it in a measure. The nations are a drop in my bucket. All of the might of the nations before me are as nothing. I have no equal and no competitor. I sit up on the circle of the earth and I watch all things and I stretch out the heavens like a curtain. I have no equal. There is no one like me. Look, I have made all that you see. How can you say that I don't see you? I give power to the faint and to those who have no strength. I increase their strength. All who wait upon me will renew their strength. You have nothing to fear for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up. Every false God was invented by men. But I have no beginning and I have no end. All false gods were made from the earth. But I made the earth. All false gods cause nothing to tremble, but I cause the mountains to shake and the seas to roar. The false gods were made by a goldsmith, a hammer, and an anvil, but I made the goldsmith. 
The false gods cannot foretell your future. And I control your future. The false gods cannot do good or evil. And I can do anything that I want to do. The living God promises and shows what a God should do. He says this. God says, if there is a God, this is what a God should do. Get ready. Because if you call upon him to be your God, this is what he expects you to believe of him. This is what he wants to do for your life. And there are some of us sitting in here this morning that think, why should I trouble God again? I'm nothing but a nuisance. Away with that demonic thought of God. Do not prevent him from being God in your life. Because God says if there's a God, then this is what a God should do. These are his own words. A God should remove fear from his people by being with them. A God should give strength to his people. A God should help his people. A God should hold up his people. A God should fight the battles of his people. A God should hear you when you pray. Feed you when you're hungry. Give you water when you're thirsty. If there's a God, that's what that God should do for you. A God should make the unrighteous righteous. A God should open the eyes of the blind and deliver the prisoners. And I go forth before you as a mighty man to war. I will prevail over your enemies. I will redeem you. I will save you. I will hear when you pray and answer your prayers. I will hold your hand and whisper in your ear and keep you in all of your ways. And God says this. I say to you, false gods, you are deaf and you are blind. That's what God said to them. But I won't be like a false god to you. I will be with you in the waters. And you will not drown in the rivers. You will not burn in the fire. And I will love you with an everlasting love. And I will give my life for you. I am the Lord. I am creator. I am holy. I make a way in the seas and paths in the waters. I give water in the wilderness and deserts in the spring. Your false gods are vain. They don't see, but I see everything. They don't know anything. I know everything without learning. What God has ever profited a man? What gods have ever fed you or given you water, Israel? They give you no power for they are weak. But I formed the light and I created the darkness and Baal bows to me. Beasts have to carry these false gods. But I carry you for I made you and I will bear you up. The false gods are carried upon men's shoulders. These false gods cannot move from where they have been set down. But I ride upon the wind and I dance through the galaxies. When you cry... False gods do not answer you, but I answer. When you're in trouble, they cannot save you, but I save you. I cannot. I will not fail you, for I am God. I cannot. I cannot even risk it. And all of these demigods, all of them, If you could amalgamate them together and put them into one being with all of their powers and their character. Still, who would be likened unto Jehovah? And if all these gods could be made into one and put together, then worship these gods. But still, I will choose Jesus Christ. 
The almighty, omnipotent, omnipotent, omnipresent God who never fails. Every imaginary deity could come into actual existence. I choose the God of this book, the God of Israel, Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life is who I choose. What have these false gods ever done? What have they made? What have they unmade? What Red Seas have they ever parted? I have filled the leaflets of my Bible and other notebooks of the miracles that God has done for me and the faithfulness that God has shown me in my life. Not that there hasn't been hard times and difficult times, but I refuse for the seasons to lead me. God shall lead me and God shall comfort me. But how can he do this? How can he do it? Isaiah 42, if you will, he says in verse 6, this is how he does it. This is how he will undertake for us, forgive our sins and our iniquities and fight our battles. For here in this prophecy is God speaking to God. The prophecy of the son who will come. The servant of the most high God. I the Lord have called you in righteousness. And will hold your hand and will keep you. And I will give you for a covenant of the people. For a light of the Gentiles. To open the blind eyes. To bring out the prisoners from the prison. And then that sit in darkness out of the prison house. This is what you, my son, will do for me. I will make you the covenant. And God goes on this glorious declaration through chapter 42 and chapter 43. And I don't have time to read it all, but I'm going to highlight the I wills of God in verse 13 of, and I'm in chapter 42 and I'm not going to read these verses. You can go back and read them. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. Verse 16, I will bring the blind. I will lead them in paths. I will make darkness light. These things will I do. In verse 21, he will magnify. And then in chapter 43, he says, I have redeemed you. I have called you. You are mine. Verse 2, I will be with you. Verse 3, I am the Lord your God. I gave for your ransom. Verse 4, I have loved you. Will I will give people for you, for your life. Verse 5, I am with you. I will bring your seed out. Verse 6, I will say to the north to give you up and back to me. And verse 7, I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. I have made him. And verse Verse 10, I have chosen, I am he. In verse 11, I even I am the Lord and beside me there is no Savior. In verse 12, I have declared, I am God. In verse 13, I am he, I will work. In verse 14, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, for your sake, I have sent to Babylon in their deliverance. Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One. Verse 19, behold, I will do a new thing. That's the new covenant. I will even make a way. That is the new covenant. The blood of Jesus in verse 20, I give waters in verse 21. I have formed for myself in verse 25. 
I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. This is what God wants you to do. Come and reason with me. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. What does God say when he says, put me in remembrance in 43 verse 26? What he's saying is, he wants you to come to him and say, God, you said. You said you would be with me. You said you formed me. You said you would redeem me. You said you would deliver me. You said you would forgive my sins and put them away. You said that, God. I take you at your word. And that's what God says. Put me in remembrance of what I've said. Quit with the self-pity and the condemnation and letting Satan break you and destroy your life and take your joy away. I am the God who saves you for my own namesake. And I know where you are. And I know where you've been. And I know what you've done. I know it all. There's nothing that you can hide from me. I know it all. But how will God do this? Chapter 51. Chapter 51. Verse 9. Awake, awake. Strengthen yourself. Stir yourself. He's talking to the servant of the Lord. The prophecy of Jesus. Jesus, stir yourself. Jesus, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Are you not it that cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Are you not it which dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep? That had made the depths of the sea a way for the ransom to pass over. You not it. Chapter 52, verse 5. Now, therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord? What have I here? What is going on? My people have been taken away for nothing, for naught. They that rule over them. Make my people howl, says the Lord. And my name continually, every day, is blasphemed. Does he not hear that with you when sin has overtaken you? Come on, his people. Come on, you born-again Christians who struggle with a besetting sin or have fallen into sin. Has God not heard you howl in the night because of your sin and your failure? And your brokenness and your shame and the devil trying to tell you to give up. And God says, what have I here? What is going on here? What has been done to my people? And therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he that does speak. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains. I'm coming to you, but not to destroy you. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings the gospel That publishes peace, that brings good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that says to Zion, your God reigns. I've heard your brokenness. I've heard your howling. I've heard the shrill of your shame in the secret of your life, in your living room, trying to get to sleep at night or waking up because you can't go to sleep and you're so miserable that you've been so overcome by darkness and you're so unworthy of me. I've heard it. Who has done this to you? I will come get you. I will do it for you. But let me be your God. 
Let me be this God in your life. Let me take care of you. Verse 9, break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. I love this. Awake. Awake. Stir yourself, Jesus. Are you not him who cut Rahab and destroyed the dragon of old? Are you not him that did that? Are you not the God that parted the Red Sea? And this is a prophecy of the future. And the prophecy of the future is this. Awake, Jesus, awake and fight the real dragon. And boy, did he ever. He sweat drops of blood in the garden of Gethsemane. He fell down in that garden and prayed and wept in the, in, 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 the, in the agony of his soul. And he sweat blood and he prayed to his father. If there is any other way, God, then let it be. But not my will, but thine be done. And he prayed for hours in that garden under the, uh, under the suffering and the agony of his soul. Even to the point of death. He told his disciples, I'm at the point of death. But I'm going to tell you something. He did not leave that garden the way he went into it. He went into that garden suffering. He went into that garden sweating blood. But when the time came, he got up from that garden. And he walked like a soldier to those that were coming to arrest him. And he confronted them. Who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of any man. I have stirred myself. I will fight the dragon tomorrow. I will take on your sins. I will take on principalities and powers. I am a man of war going to a cross to open up hells so that the captives can come free. I'm doing this for you. I'm not a timid Jesus. I'll fight by myself. Who is this that has tread the wine press alone? Who is this with his garments sprinkled with the blood? It is I, the Lord, mighty to save. I saved you. I fought for you and nobody would fight for you. You wouldn't even fight for yourself, but I fought for you. And I won for you. And whosoever will can come now. Whosoever will. Oh, he's a warrior. He's a soldier, Jesus. A soldier. Thank God he didn't come to fight us like that. He was angry with sin and the devil and hell because he heard you crying. And he heard you weeping. And he said, what have we here? Who did this to my people? And I will stir myself. And I will in front of all of the world embarrass hell. On a cross. In a few hours. What it took them six or 4,000 years to do, I will undo it in a moment. And he became the sin offering. Chapter 53. This is how he was made a covenant. Verse 10. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. This is how God does it all. This is how God redeems. This is how God shows mercy. This is how God saves. This is how God proves his love for you. It pleased the Lord to bruise Jesus. 
He has put Jesus to grief. When you shall make Jesus' soul an offering for sin, you shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous Jesus Justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. I made him the covenant. It's between the Father and the Son. I made him the covenant. And all you have to do is let me be your God. And I will fight for you. I will redeem you. I will save you. But don't think of me like a man. Chapter 55, verse 1. Listen, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters. And he that has no money, come, buy, eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Come on, guys. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And why do you spend so much time working so hard for things that don't satisfy you? Just listen carefully to me and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. God is pleading with the people. It's all done. The covenant's made. My son is the sacrifice. The waters are opened. Come. It's all free. Come. But I know what you say. God says to us, I know what you say. Your sins keep you away. You, it's too good to be true. You, you, you can't believe that I would be this way to you. So verse 7 let the wicked forsake his way. Repent. Turn from it. You don't like it anyway. Yeah, there's some pleasure in it. But you wish you could be free from it. So repent. Forsake your way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Your thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And he says to the unrighteous man, and we all get repentance, but we don't always get thoughts. And we treat God like we treat each other. And we think God treats us the way others treat us. And we claim to want mercy, but we are a people that exact justice on each other. There are friends that don't talk to each other anymore. 
there are marriages waiting to crumble and fall apart because of decisions being made in a turbulent season. There are people who have been hurt and you can never forgive because you've been hurt. And when you come to the realization that you did this to God, you begin to think that God thinks like you. And maybe you would think, you know what? If I were God, I would hate me. If I were God, I wouldn't trust me. Maybe God looks at me or treats me the way I would treat other people who did this to me. And God says, stop. Stop that. Turn from these thoughts. Those are not my thoughts. I do not think like you. I do not treat people the way you treat people. I don't hurt people the way you hurt people. When you were abused and you were hurt and you were wounded. And the way you shut up and isolated yourself and became untrusting. I don't do that when you do that to me. Actually, my heart opens up to you more. My longings for you open up more. My desires for you increase. My mercy for you becomes overwhelming. I don't think like you do. I don't want to punish you. I don't want you to pay for it. I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to live estranged from your God. I want you to be comforted in the fact nobody else came forward to redeem you. But I did. And no one else died for your sins, but I did. And oh, you remember when I said that if your eye keeps you or makes you sin, pluck it out, it's better to go to heaven maimed and hell whole, or if your right hand calls you to sin, cut it off. I, I don't recall anybody in the last 2,000 years plucking their eye out because of sin or cutting their hand off because of because you won't even save yourself. But I did for you. I gave myself as an offering for sin to love you and to comfort you. And to be your God. And I say that to you this morning. Because in my heart. I earnestly plead with you. Christian. Born again believer. Who is so frustrated and disgusted with yourself. Don't try to do better. You won't. Turn from your ways and your thoughts and come to your God and confess it to God and let him be God in your life. Let him break the dragon in your life. Let God be your portion and your deliverer. Don't hide anymore. Walk out of your condemnation. Walk out of your self-pity. Walk out of your constant vowing to do something better or to be better when you cannot and let Jesus live. Let the Holy Spirit live in you. Let him be better in you and trust him.
God wants to comfort his people because he misses you. And you know who you are. He misses you. It's been a long time since some of you have had intimacy with him. You've drawn near with your mouths, but your hearts have been so far. And God misses you. So he sent me today to comfort you. The Lord has undertaken for you. The Lord has fought for you. And the Lord has made a covenant with his son so that you can be set free. And God said through Isaiah, I break the covenant that you made with death and hell. I break it. I break it. That covenant is annulled. You're free. You're free to go. You're free to go. You're free to go. I pray to God you will. Oh, I pray to God you will. It's enough. Behold your God. Let him be that to you. Stand with me. you come to him I'm talking to Christians I'm talking to born again believers I'm talking to men and women who know God it's a difficult season it's time to let God fight for you for God to be strong for you the shame you feel you don't have for Jesus has taken it away you think about yourself and what you think others may think about you it causes you to withdraw yourself and be untrusting it's not the demeanor of the church towards you the church in the name of Jesus opens its arms to you to extend to you forgiveness and mercy and freedom through Jesus Christ our Lord and that the God of all gods desires to be your God he desires to answer you when you pray and fight for you some of you will leave here today and you will continue in your same battles your same struggles because you will not trust God to fight for you and maybe you don't know how But you could sure pray for the Holy Spirit to teach you how. Teach you how to be still and know that He's God. Teach you how to walk and stand in victory. Because it is tempting to move. It is so tempting to run. It is so tempting to retreat. But the man of war went to the cross and he won. And the Father gives you His victory. Come take it. And it's time to forgive one another. It's time to forgive one another. The hurts and the pains that have been caused. The broken relationships between a spouse, between parents and their children between young people it's time to make it real 
Let God fight it. Let God do it. I'm just going to ask for intercessors to come and pray for these in the altar. They could be in a very fragile state in their life. You don't even need to touch them. Just come up here and pray and intercede and pray in the Spirit. You could just leave them alone. Let them pray by themselves, but just come and pray. The Lord is your God. In the midst of darkness, He brings His light. He breaks the chains of oppression and He sets the prisoners free. Just admit what you are. If you're a prisoner, if you're under oppression, you're living in fear, you're living in discouragement, you're living in shame, you're living in failure, shake it off of you. Come to your God. Behold your God. Behold your God.